Welcome to Earth Riot Radio. Now today, we're two years on from Black Lives Matter. What a summer 2020 was. We went back and found on this Juneteenth the episode of our radio show podcast that immediately followed the excruciating murder of George Floyd. And so we offer the African-American singers and composers, the music director of our church, to you. I have, however, a couple exceptions. One is that I have a kind of punk jazz song with the Fiery Eagles of Justice that asks for love. Love in this time of extreme change, rapid change. And then later in our half hour, we thought we should have the the news from the natural world once again, Savitri D, our collector of information and teller of the story, because a lot has changed in two years and not for the better, but we want to be, we want to stay current with the earth, earth hallelujah. And so here we go. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. That's a word we made up in Occupy Wall Street. It combines the word revolution, obviously, with alleluia, as in alleluia, alleluia. So you've got basic change, a revolutionary change, combined with the joy, the glory, yes, the relief of liberation. And I hope that's what we've got right now. This is Reverend Billy in New York with the Church of Stop Shopping. We're still in lockdown in the last days of our lockdown. And next, Monday the 8th, will be a step into the sunlight for us. But you know what? We've already stepped out there. We have rallies and riots all night long right now. Police chasing us down the streets, shooting pepper gas into the air, coming at us, ramming us with their vehicles. We are trying to respond in a a revolutionary way. That's right. To the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmoud Arbery, and all the thousands upon thousands of people who are being murdered by these strong men 
and their soldiers and police around the world. In fact, this uprising has taken place in 75 countries last count. This is, for the first time in years, this is a revolution. Let's sing about it. Do I hear a sound? Beware from the rocks, from the ground in the air. Poison pollination times mass incarceration equals planet devastation. They privatize the nickel dime our lives. What gas me to survive the worldwide plantation? Our water, air, land, homes, job, food, schools, and books. Who snuck and took it? The Wall Street books did. Picking our bones and our scabs just like a vulture while spreading the scourge of global monoculture. Cause they want you a consumer. Jason in a stupor, apathetic, sedated. Politically neutered, or you can be a real citizen. Bring your dreams into the streets and stand for all that you believe. Revolution. And that's the Stop Shopping Choir. Dragonfly is on the spoken word rap poem there with the information age has something it won't say. Climate change kills the poor every day. It comes down from the sky, comes up from the waves. The bankster, disaster, is programmed to slay. Deforestation plus poison pollination. Mass incarceration equals planet devastation. We have some intersectionality there. Mass incarceration equals planet devastation. Not a lot of people would equate in any way the prison problem in the United States with the collapse of ecosystems. 
But that's the way that people are starting to look with new perspectives at the problems that we have in the world. Dragonfly is a black woman who risks arrest. She sings these songs with the Stop Shopping Choir as we cross a property line into the lobby of a J.P. Morgan Chase bank, into a Monsanto laboratory, a Walmart to exorcise the cash register. There's no demon that is safe from our invasion. And we take our cues, we learn our lesson from the civil rights movement. We're singing as you went into that place you were not welcome. And also act up the struggle against the AIDS virus, the struggle to get treatment for the people who are sick and to find the cure, the vaccine for the virus. Sounds like COVID-19, doesn't it? Speaking of which, last night I was lucky to be in a demonstration by the frontline caregivers of New York City. Thousands of folks in their hospital. You know, the doctors had their white coats and the nurses had their, their blue scrubs with their plastic gloves and their masks and their hair nets. A lot of them seemed as if they had come straight from hospital shifts. They were gathering in Times Square, and it was all about racism. It was all about the police murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmud Arbray. Say the name. Say the name. Must have been three or 4,000 of these nurses and doctors and attendants from nursing homes. And they were surrounded for a while by police. Not quite surrounded, but the police were there and they were a presence. And the police sort of faded away after a while, and I think it was because of the level of anger. It was also because of who it was. These are the heroes. They are the heroes, and they should be. All of them lost two or three or five friends in their intensive unit or in their intensive care wing of the hospital and they lost those friends because those friends did not have adequate financing of protection, protective personal protection, the masks, the changing gowns when you're exposed to the virus, or especially, the famously, the ventilator machines. And of course, the police are overfinanced. Why are the police even there? Do they think that the caregivers are going to loot the stores? I don't think so. So the police kind of faded away, and black lives matter, black lives matter, black lives matter. It was heartwarming and surprising, and it gave you the feeling of, yes, this is a revolution. Like Dragonfly was singing, this is a revolution. And these people will be, they will be willing to continue to risk their lives. They already are. And that's the kind of thing that you need for a social movement to turn into a revolution where real change takes place. Enough people are willing to put life and limb on the line. And then enough people are willing to support them and protect them. Everybody has their role. But you have to have some people that really, really risk everything. And there they were. And it really is right now the story of police murdering unarmed people of color. And that picture of George Floyd and his pleading for his life, I can't breathe. Quoting from his fellow victim, Eric Garner, 
that guides us all right now. This movement, this revolution, based on that cruelty, we must change. Here's another song from the Stop Shopping Choir. Man down, brother down. Hands up! Don't shoot! 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 I can't breathe. Monday at the deli, talking all at once. Grabbing hands and shouting, get home safe. Tuesday school's out early, wandering through the park. Throwing shade and laughing, get home safe. Wednesday after practice, walking to the train. Streets alive, a party, get home safe. Working late on Thursday, trying to stay awake. Parking lot is empty, get home safe. Man down, brother down. Man down, brother down. Friday's family dinner, don't be late. Can't keep your mama waiting, get home safe. Saturday's the wedding, girls dress up. Watching out the window, get home safe. And even Sunday, there's no resting. Even Sunday, get home safe. Man down, brother down. Man down, brother down. Man down, get home safe. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Southern right whales choose nursery sites in shallow waters because there are fewer predators and the waters are warmer and calmer. A recent bioacoustical study of three calving sites in the southern hemisphere also found that shallow, sandy, nearshore waters are a prime spot for whales to birth and raise their young because those areas have reduced acoustic propagation meaning vocal signals don't travel as far at these sites, allowing whale mothers to communicate with their nearby young while not being heard by predators off in the distance. Bioacoustic recording revealed quiet calls between mothers and their offspring. 
Essentially, calving in the shallow waters allows the right whale mother to whisper to her calf. Air pollution in Bangladesh is the worst in the world, contributing to a reduction of nearly seven years in the average life expectancy, according to a new study. In the most polluted areas of the country, life expectancy is reduced by 8.1 years. All of Bangladesh's 161 million people live in areas where the annual average particulate pollution level exceeds both the WHO guideline and the country's own national standard. Since 1998, the country's average annual particulate pollution has increased by 39%. Nine out of 10 people worldwide live in places where air quality exceeds WHO guideline limits. In Bangladesh, particulate pollution levels are at least four times the WHO guideline in every single one of its 64 districts. Colorado became the first state to ban the use of PFAs in the extraction of oil and gas. While there has been widespread outcry about PFAs in consumer goods such as stain and water-resistant clothing, nonstick pots and pans, firefighting foam, carpets and furniture, the oil and gas industry could be a major and underappreciated source of soil and groundwater contamination. The chemicals, which are extremely water-repellent, are used in fracking fluid to make the chemical mixture more stable and more efficiently flush oil and gas out of the ground at high pressure. PFAs have been detected in drinking water across the country and in a broad range of food items, including cow's milk from small dairy farms, leafy greens, and chocolate cake purchased from grocery stores. Plants grown in soil containing PFAs can uptake the chemicals into their plants and roots and make their way into human and animal bodies. PFAs don't break down naturally and are linked to illnesses including cancer, thyroid disease, obesity, and ulcerative colitis. In many states, gas and oil companies are permitted to keep the list of chemicals used during fracking confidential, as it is considered proprietary. Colorado's new ban passed with bipartisan support and bars the use of PFAs in fracking fluids starting January 1, 2024. A team of researchers affiliated with several institutions in the U.S. and Brazil has found evidence that pumpkin toadlets have poor jumping skills because their inner ear canals are too small. Researchers believe that the inner ear canals of pumpkin toadlets are too small to allow them to land gracefully. The inner ear canal in animals is semicircular in shape and filled with liquid. As the animal moves, the liquid is jostled, stimulating nerve cells that line the canal. This confers a sense of balance. Researchers found that pumpkin toadlets had the smallest semicircular canals of all the creatures they had studied. Floodwaters raged through Yellowstone Park this week, changing the course of rivers, tearing out bridges, destroying homes, and forcing the evacuation of thousands of visitors from the nation's oldest national park. All entrances to the park are currently closed, and some are expected to remain closed for six months. Park Chief Cam Shelley described the four days of record rains and melting snow as a thousand-year event, whatever that means these days. Yellowstone has the highest concentration of predatory mammals in the U.S. and is visited by more than 4 million tourists each year. New data has revealed extraordinary rates of global heating in the Arctic, up to seven times faster than the global average. The heating is occurring in the North Barents Sea, a region where fast-rising temperatures are suspected to trigger increases in extreme weather in North America, Europe, and Asia. Researchers said the heating in this region was an early warning of what could happen across the rest of the Arctic. The new figures show annual average temperatures in the area are rising across the year by up to 2.7 degrees Celsius a decade, with particularly high rises in the months of autumn of up to 4 degrees Celsius a decade. This makes the North Barents Sea and its islands the fastest warming place known on Earth. For a third straight year, the number of crabs in the Chesapeake Bay has dropped, this time to a record low. 
the annual winter dredge survey carried out jointly by Maryland's Department of Natural Resources and the Virginia Marine Resource Commission put the estimate for blue crabs at 227 million, the lowest in the survey's history. The population has declined for female, male, and juvenile crabs, with the number of adult male crabs also at an all-time low since the survey began. More than 100 towns in Italy's Po Valley have been asked to ration water amid the worst drought to affect Italy's longest river in 70 years. Northern Italy has been deprived of significant rainfall for months. The effects of drought along the 400-mile Po River, which stretches from the Alps in the northwest and flows through the Po Delta before spilling out into the Adriatic, became visible early in the year. The issue has been exacerbated by higher than usual temperatures and much less snow in the winter, especially in the Southern Alps. Italy is experiencing a protracted heat wave, with temperatures in some areas of the Po Valley forecast to hit 36 degrees Celsius. Dengue fever cases are climbing in Singapore as experts blame climate change for high mosquito numbers. Unseasonably warm and humid weather on the island city-state is thought to be the reason for the more than 15,000 cases of the virus this year. Dengue is also known as breakbone fever because of the intense bone and muscle pain it can cause. Left untreated, mortality is as high as 20%. Singapore is warming at the rate of a quarter degree Celsius a year, almost twice as fast as the rest of the planet. And now, the sounds of extinction. The northern right whale. North Atlantic right whales have been listed as endangered since 1970. Scientists estimate fewer than 350 of the iconic whales are still alive in the wild today, with fewer than 100 breeding females. The number of new calves born in recent years has been below average. Once abundant, the right whale was hunted to near extinction. It is called the right whale because it was known as the right whale to kill. Threats include pollution, habitat loss, and collisions with vessels and line entanglements. A new study shows that most North Atlantic right whales that are severely injured in fishing gear entanglements die within three years. Data revealed that only 44% of males and 33% of females with severe injuries survived longer than 36 months. Females that did survive had much lower birth rates and longer intervals between calving. And hear the sound of the northern right whale. right now it's disturbing James Baldwin here we go I don't know I don't know what white people see you know when they look at any girl anymore I do know very well um, that I realized when I was very young that whatever whatever he was looking at it wasn't me it wasn't me um, it was something he was afraid of it was something um, to which he was attracted or which he found repulsive, but it wasn't me. I was not a man. Now, this image, I don't know what this image is, but it has something to do. It has something to do, I'm convinced of this, with the Puritan God. It has something to do with a peculiar and, I believe, absolutely bankrupt morality under which we all are suffering. 
The one person who was outside this constriction in fact and historically and in life was this pagan, this black pagan. Who was brought over who was as brought a over, chattel. That's right. Who was brought over as a chattel uh, to, a, to, to God's country. It seems to me that it's a reflection, a direct reflection, of the effort made by the white American to keep away, to, to not be threatened by black people. In some way, the, the American vision of the world is all wrapped up with their vision of black men, which has to do with their, has to do with their vision of themselves. Black is evil. The saved are white. Now, there's certainly a thread which connects this reality to, uh, which it may, makes, and makes it possible for uh, the Secretary of State to say, we will not do business with the devil. It is not a southern problem. It is a national problem. What is happening in New Orleans today began to happen over a hundred years ago when, in effect, the North, which was the government, having freed tens of thousands of illiterate black men, they made no provision for them, none whatever, none whatever. They were dumped on the body politic, and no one was responsible for them. And they were, of course, immediately political and, and industrial footballs for everybody. They were everybody's target. But in a way, black men were very useful to the American because in a country so absolutely undefined, so amorphous, where there were no limits, no height, really, and, and no depth. There was one thing of which one could be certain. One knew where one was by knowing where the Negro was. You knew that you were not on the bottom because the Negro, because the Negro was there. You knew one knows what sin is in the same way. One knows what danger is in the same way. Now, this implies a vision of oneself, it seems to me, and a vision of the world which doesn't stop at the American borders. It is also the way America deals with the world. In must, cannot possibly avoid moving directly into the heart of the people who make up America. I mean, I, I mean that the problem will never be resolved until everybody in the country, in some way, I know how impossible this sounds, however, this is what has to happen, is able, is somehow enabled, to do without this crutch. Oh, thank you, James Baldwin, from many years ago. I think that might have been the mid-60s. A conscience of our culture. Certainly speaking directly to the kinds of things we're trying to discover this week, the answers, maybe we don't have the answers. Trying to discover better questions. I think we, I think we realize, I say we, uh, white people, people with this traditional default position of privilege, we have to throw away the answers that we have had, certainly, and find new questions. And James Baldwin asks us to ask the question, how do we mythologize black people? You know, where do we put them in the world of summarizing types, the black pagan? And then he goes on to, to ask us to ask ourselves, how do we place black people in our culture, in our economy? Where do we measure ourselves vis-a-vis -vis this 
this, this other kind of person who's on the bottom. You know, we only worship the Michael Jordans, but then it quickly goes to the bottom. We find our uh, footing, as it were. Well, maybe that's the wrong word. I can't help but think of Derek Chauvin killing this man, George Floyd, but not just killing his life, killing his black body. He had to be pulled off George Floyd, who had shown no resistance. Pleading for his life, is that resistance? Pleading for his life? Well, I just want to thank the Stop Shopping Choir, musical director, Nehemiah Luckett, a native of Mississippi. I want to thank uh, the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, all the performances, um, all the activities, Savitri D. I want to thank the Fiery Eagles of Justice, Jason Candler on saxophone and effects, and Brendan Burke on drums. Thank you all for doing this with me. I'm very grateful. Be healthy, be safe. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. I'll try not to either. Life-a-lou-ya. Life